Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, June 14, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we're going to do is take a look at the daily chart. We'll scale up and down from there when needed. The first thing we want to do is get the assessment. Where are they? Where are they headed? What's the direction? What's the trend? The trend is your friend, as we know, until she throws your crap out the window. So therefore, the trend is down. We know that. It's been down. We're just reviewing stuff. The market was trying to stage, we'll call it a rescue operation. They started to create a pattern that will normally result in a move in the northern direction. However, the same energy, if not released up north, will come back down south, which is what happened. Therefore, we have a failed situation here. So the question is, where are they headed in the southern direction? Unless they get above the former low, which is 380.54, The market is headed lower, period, full stop. What's the next major thing down from current price? Well, looking at the weekly chart, we can see it's really that zone around 365. Now, one thing we have to note is 365 in and of itself wasn't necessarily an important number. It was the result of a phony slash shenanigans tail candle created some time ago. So we noted on the chart, Generally speaking, if that happens, the market finds itself there, whether it's up or down, in this case it was down, finds itself down there at some point in time. The issue is, you never know when it's going to happen, how long it's going to take, all that stuff. But here we are, a stone's throw away from a number we identified months ago. Last night, we went over the important spots in and around and below 365. Nothing's going to change there. You can go back to that video to double-check the stuff. One area is we have a high at 358.75. We talked about that one. You have the 200-period moving average right under 350, and then you also have on a crash type of scenario around 342, give or take. I'd put that one on a sticky note as a just-in-caser. Why is that? Because tomorrow, Wednesday, we have the culmination of the two-day Kabuki Theater meeting. What is that? The Fed meets for two days. The FOMC, Federal Open Market Committee, makes an interest rate announcement at the end of the meeting, commencing around 2 o'clock on Wednesday, and then there'll be a press conference where the chairman of the Federal Reserve takes questions after the fact from a predetermined list of media participants, and by the way, most likely from a predetermined or pre-authorized list of questions. Now, we bring up the crash scenario is because we're already in somewhat of a crash scenario. The rubber band, once again, has stretched too far. It's broken. It's breaking. Call it whatever you want. I'm looking at a weekly chart where I see what appeared to be, and we talked about at the time, it didn't have the accompanying volume, but that candle ending 527, the week ending 527, had the makings of a reversal candle recapturing the 100-period moving average. It was minus the volume. We flagged that at the time. However, here we are having closed below, gapping below the low of that breakup candle. That's another bearish sign. It really opens the door for the 365, 
the 200 period moving average. It's a weekly chart. You could certainly get some back and forth. Now, just because the Fed's meeting, they're going to have an interest rate announcement. It doesn't mean the market's going to collapse. Now, let's talk about it for a moment. There's a lot of discussion out there. The talking heads are spinning in the sand between 50 basis point raise, 75 basis point raise, one full percentage point basis raise. Here's the situation. Whatever the Fed does, 50, 75, or 100, the market's going to move, and it's likely going to continue with the volatility, the expansion of volatility. You're going to see tremendous swings in both directions. Now, one would say, well, if they only cut 50 basis points, won't the market rally? It might, or if the market doesn't rally, the media will come over the top. The talking heads will say, the reason the market fell apart is because they only raised 50 basis points. The market was looking for a better scenario, a better reaction from the Fed. They were looking for them to get in front of this thing more, at least 75 or a full point. That's what will happen if the market falls at 50 basis points. Let's say the market rises at the 50 basis points. Well, the talking heads will come over to the top, and they'll say, because the market was in fear they might go faster and 75 or a full point, and they only did 50, it's a relief rally. The market is relieved that they only did 50. So whatever the thing is, whatever the Fed does, the commentary after the fact from the media talking heads and everybody else will be predicated on which direction the market moves. The market drives the conversation. The market drives sentiment. Sentiment drives behavior. That's the way it works, not the other way around. Is there going to be a rip-your-face-off, pie-in-the-face type of rally coming soon? The answer is yes. The question is, from what price? I can tell you if they crash the tape after the Fed, before the Fed, either way, 342 and maybe down to 340 also, it's a big fat round number, that area will certainly be compelling for a snapback in the other direction, regardless of whether it's from an intraday perspective or it lasts several days or beyond. Put that one on a sticky note. It's in the just-in-caser part of the file. We'll do a little learnable moment here using the monthly chart. Let's find out the area around 340, 342. Is that something that we should be looking at? What does another chart say? Do we get supported with that concept off the monthly chart? Well, we have a 50-period moving average. We looked at it last night, 344, 345 area. Let's say they spike it through. Well, all of a sudden comes into view is our 342. And then you have this scenario where the market runs up to this spot and is rejected, summarily rejected. This was the COVID crash, but this is essentially a breakout situation, meaning this is where the market broke out from the next go-around when it went back up in the recovery operation. So here's what we have. That high comes in at 339, slightly below the 342, 340 area, but it's in the ballpark. It's a monthly chart. Expansion of volatility takes precedent. You have a situation where the market's being driven off the longer-term charts, right? It's not being driven by a 10-minute chart. You know, sometimes, depending on what chart you're looking at, you can identify a target price based on where the market's going, what it's been doing. So let's just 
use an example, and say the market was trending higher using just this 10-minute chart. While there may be and there is resistance areas along the way, we could certainly take a look at the high over here and say, well, they're going to make a run for the high under normal garden variety conditions, and if they can get above the high, it opens the door for more northern or more rally type stuff. But if they can't, the market will either find overhead resistance, get rejected, hang out for a cup of coffee, any one of those things. But if the market starts trending upward, we know that it's likely it can make a run for this 379, 380 area. Fair enough. We're at 373, 374. It's 50 S&P handles away. 60 handles, 40 handles, something like that. It's not that far. Four, five, six S&P points or SPY points. That's logical and believable information. Using the same concept, but using a monthly chart, you can use the same stuff saying, hey, if they do this, then it looks like they're headed for this. Now, we have to have an understanding that it's not going to be in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes that they get there. It may be the next several weeks or even few months that it gets there when looking at a long-term chart. But if we take a look at the 50-period moving average saying, hey, it's magnetic, it's going to draw a price in, especially if they close the month below the former tail low, we have the 365, that area to contend with, but the market should be drawn into at minimum and likely spike through, a la lower prices, the 344 and change, the 50-period moving average. It's the same conversation you have using a 10-minute chart or an hourly chart or any other chart. It's just off the longer-term charts, the numbers are bigger, they're wider, it takes longer, but all charts act and react the same way, and this is exactly part and parcel to the type of lessons and specifically the lessons that are given in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. You understand, get an appreciation for how the market works, why it's doing what it's doing, how can we tell, where can we tell if we're wrong, why are we able to tell if we're wrong. These are all the things that are taught in the Lazy E-Mini Trader course. Let's check out Inside the Numbers. The first thing we'll do is run through the commentary. I'm going to point out some interesting stuff. Today was an interesting morning. We had what's called the cadence with the tape this morning. What does that mean? It means the numbers were working. We'll get to that in a few moments. Turnaround Tuesday. After a decent overnight rally while nobody was watching, they've come back to the flat line around zero dark 30. So they tried to rally overnight, and then they failed. One side goes like this. They're in the midst or middle of a meltdown, headed to at least 365 at some point sooner than later. Not meaning today necessarily, just the big picture. The other short-term side goes like this. They're way oversold, hate that term, but we use it anyway. Back-to-back what are called 90% down days. Simply put, that means that 90% of the equities on the NYSE were down. They were in the red. That's it. That's a 90% down day. Everything got thrown out with the bathwater. That's what that means. It doesn't happen all the time. It's kind of rare. It's even more rare when you get two back-to-back days like that, so you can start looking for It's not like you're putting on a trade because of, but you can start looking for the DCB, the dead cat bounce. 
it's coming sooner or later. You got one throughout the day, you got one in the morning, you got one overnight. They're trying, but they can't get a grip because they haven't reached a good enough destination to have a rip your face off slash pie in the face type of rally. Is that 365? Is it something else? We're going to find out sooner than later. Most likely tomorrow. Neither is a compelling case to hang our hat on, so we use the numbers to guide us through. Yesterday's close was 375. We'll use that as the bull bear pivot to get the day started. 375. Identifying not because or only because of yesterday's closing price, but there were other reasons why that became the pivot. And you'll see it throughout the morning session. It's the pivot. What's a pivot? Right of the vertical, today's activity. Here's a 10-minute chart. 375 is the horizontal line. It is the pivot. A pivot is what the market centers around. Above it, the bulls can start to take over and try and rally the tape. Below it, the bears have control, and they try and push the tape lower. There's a bull-bear battle around a pivot. That's the definition of a pivot. Now, if they bounce, 377.70 is both magnetic, overhead resistance, and the gateway to a run back toward 380. Now, we don't know that's going to happen, but 377.70 above 375 is certainly something that we need to know about. So we'll discuss the next phase of a leg higher if they get above that number, but that number is on the docket above 375. Below 375, we're looking down for a spike of 372. Put these numbers on a sticky note. Now we've switched over to a five-minute chart so we can see the stuff a little better. The top line is at 377.70. So you can see that was, in fact, A, magnetic, B, overhead resistance. They never made it back there past the morning session. 375 is the middle line. That's your pivot. You could see the market centered around that. Below is bearish. Above it, they try and rally it again. 371.85 is a spike of 372. They got a little bit lower, but they kind of hovered over it most of the afternoon. So that happens. You have to look a little bit lower because it's not the same type of support area once they come close or they eat time off the clock right above it. Nevertheless, they spike it, they pop back up. A spike of 372 was on the board, and it was, in fact, an important spot. It pays to know your numbers. Let's see what else we have as the day begins to get underway. 845, 377, 70 is our early pivot. 9 o'clock, the thieves in the morning already ran a test of the early pivot, and then some just reinforces the early schematic. And you saw that they did the same thing after the opening bell. In the morning, during the morning rush, this is important, put this stuff on a sticky note. During the morning rush, it's much easier to predict what the market, what Mrs. Market and the participants are going to want to do based on having seen the pre-market activity, knowing your numbers, having a good level of participation in the market a la volume, and we saw that today. After the morning rush takes place, after an hour, 45 minutes, an hour and a half, every day is slightly different, but after the morning rush takes place, the market goes into a chop shop formation in some kind of a range driven by computers and algorithms and all that nonsense. It's a much more difficult tape to trade than the one that's during the pre-market rush, let's say between 9.30 and 11 for argument's sake. That's when the business is done. 
the afternoon stuff is just informational stuff. There's a whole lot fewer traders taking trades in the afternoon. Yours truly included, and rightfully so. We need, as traders, participation. Okay, let's see what else we have. Above 377, the door is open for 380. Below 377.70, and the door is open for 375. And we saw what the market did bouncing from one to the other to the other. And here it is even on a three-minute chart, and you can see right at the vertical again, up to the resistance area, back to the what we'll call a midpoint or the center point or the pivot of 375, and then ultimately down to a spike of 372. And what did they do at the end of the day? This candle made a high of 374. 98, this candle made a high of 375.04. Do we think that number's important? It was important in the pre-market. It was important in the morning. It was important in the afternoon. How you doing? It pays to know your numbers. 9.33, at some point they're going to make a run for 377.70 or higher. The question is, does 375 come before? That's at 9.33. What we're saying is, they're going to hit them both. Back to the five-minute chart, you can see what happened first. They went down to 375, they turned around, they went up to 377.70, and that's where they found overhead resistance. They hit them both. Here's another little hint. If I think a number's important early on in the pre-market when I'm doing the early work long before the market opens, and as we get closer to the opening bell, I see them playing games with that number. Tells me a couple of things. Tells me I was right about the number, I've got one of the numbers anyway, and the fact that they're playing games with it using the pre-market thieves as the mechanism, it's one of those things where the writing is on the wall more often than it isn't where they're going to do the same kind of stuff after the opening bell. It's one of those, the writing is on the wall. Now you wouldn't know that if you're new to the market. You wouldn't know that if you're not paying attention in the pre-market And you wouldn't know that unless you were able to identify an important number and then see them playing games with it before the opening bell, after the opening bell, day after day after day. It's not every day, but they do it so much, it becomes predictable. It's not right every time, but it happens a lot. That's where the numbers come from a lot that you see on the board around the opening bell. We're generally looking for that juicy morning trade. That was it. So here's what we've got. In between the 377.70 and 375 is a chop shop. Below 375, the door opens for lower stuff one level at a time. Traders who understand the risk can buy around 375. This is at 941. And below down to 373.30, the risk is getting below and closing candles below 373.30. Now, here's the situation. It's close to risk. You want to lose small and fast if you have to lose it all. That's a given. So here's the other thing. The toughest trade to take on is the one that's closest to where the stop out would be because that's the area that the market has to make a decision. Is she going to fail or is she going to bounce? Was it just a test or is she failing going somewhere else down south? That's why it's like the scariest place but the best place. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know about that place, but I'm just saying. So we have traders long around 375. Traders need to book profit around 376. We certainly had some participants in the room today. There was others from just pure inside the number perspective. 
there were buyers at 375. One more time. They come into it in the 945 candle. They spend about five minutes, 10 minutes down there, 950 candle. They start running the other direction and they go right to 377.70. Using current math, that's about 27 and three quarter handles. How you doing? We're moving along. Read the notes. Go back to the charts to double check the work. We had a nice trade in Wells Fargo. We'll get to stocks on the move in a while. Some traders like to take another bite at the apple down at 375. They gave you an opportunity before failing later on. They got to the target, and guess what? Nice trade for those taking the ride. Getting above opens a door for other stuff. They never got above. We know that. Read the notes. Pause the video. Go back to the chart to double-check the work. There's more stuff in here. There's teachable, learnable information in here. Closing candles below 373.30 opens a door for 371.85, give or take. All that stuff is laid out on an ongoing basis inside the numbers. This is your tour guide information. More often than not, out of the inside the number commentary, you're going to get one of those juicy morning trades within the first hour of the day. That's the goal anyway. Stocks on the move. There wasn't a lot of chum in the water this morning in terms of stocks on the move. We had some candidates, but only one ended up hitting their entry objective. It was Wells Fargo. Big Mo, BBY, AZN, and HUN, they're off the board. They become no trades by not getting to the preferred spot. There's a five-minute chart of Wells Fargo. Right of its vertical is today's activity. You could see what happened. The opening print was 3877. We had 3864 on the board. They came into it, they spiked it, they turned around, ran back in the other direction, made a high of 3930, providing the minimum required base hit, and then some. They came down later and paid a visit to what? The second number on the board and doing what? Into the end of the day, bouncing off that number. Funny how that works. The numbers work. Switching over to Camp IWM, anything new and different or exciting here today? Nope, it's all the same market. We have the same situation. They made a new low today, but they closed above the former low. That's a bullish signal in and of itself, but there's too many other bearish things on the chart to just take that signal and say, hey, that's bullish, they're going to rally. That's not the case. They may rally, but that's not the reason. They ran a test of a former low, closed above it, that's fine. They have to stay above it. Remember the monthly chart from the SPY? This monthly chart looks slightly different. Look where we are relative to the low. This is the same low we just spiked and closed back above, but when you look at the monthly chart, you have a tail candle. The question is, are they really fighting this or are they just behind in terms of trending lower into some kind of destination-ish place? We've identified 161. This is the weekly chart as an important spot. But on a crash type of scenario, the just-in-caser thing we talked about before around the Fed and all that stuff, what's the number below that in the crash scenario where they would be headed? Well, they'd have to pay a visit to 150, wouldn't they? Spike it through, come up short, all that stuff. Either way, 150, give or take, would be the next magnetic place underneath 161. From a big picture perspective, not an intraday perspective, there's plenty of numbers in between that'll be posted on the board for inside the number members from an intraday slash 
inside the numbers perspective. What's going on with the folks down at the transportation department? We'll stay on the weekly chart and you see they came up just short of that 12.8 number yesterday giving the impression they're creating some kind of a tail candle. We're not going to get confused or fooled by that. Anything goes around Kabuki Theater. If they rally the market, all markets will get a rising tide lifts all boats kind of ticket. And if they kill the tape, everything's going to get killed. Anything different in the queues? Absolutely not. If they rally the tape, everything rallies, including the queues. Flip side is everything gets thrown out with the bathwater. Today was a nothing day. We're waiting on the Fed. About the financials, XLF, looks the same as every other chart. We're waiting on the Fed. The markets will move tomorrow and beyond. Today, leading into the 2 o'clock meeting or announcement tomorrow, not so much, just some back and forth chop shop formation. Smash Mouth, same deal. They made a new low today, bounced away, no big deal. There's nothing to garner from today's activity. We're waiting on the Fed. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.